0: Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, HOLO is here to help. HOLO is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God dot app slash breadbox
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Lisa Hendy and Friends show. Very excited to be back behind the microphone today and to have joining me for this week's episode, a terrific guest. I know you're going to love hearing from him. We are joined by Marcel Lejeune and Marcel is the founder and president of Catholic Missionary Disciples as a Catholic evangelist, international speaker, and a worn-witting author. Marcel's greatest passion is helping others come to know the love of Jesus and share it with others. Marcel and his wife, Christy, have five children. Today, we discuss his newest book, The Con- Contagious Catholic, which is now available through Ascension Press. Welcome to the show, Marcel Legion. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Well, thank you. Um, just um, this week with everything that's been going on in the world. When I revisited the book, I couldn't help but think, oh my goodness, was he sort of like having a premonition about what was gonna be happening? The book is um, The Contagious Catholic and it's the art of practical evangelization. But um, before we dive into why this is so timely, more timely than ever, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do?
2: Yeah, so, well, first of all, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ and uh, a son of the Father who's beloved. And, you know, I'm a, I'm also somebody who deeply loves being Catholic, you know, and I think that's important for us to start with those things. Right. Um, even before my vocation as uh, husband and father, it's it's those things that are most important in life. Right. That relationship with God. So. Uh, I'd say that. And then professionally, uh, I've been working in uh, different areas of the Catholic Church for almost 20 years now, uh, mostly in campus ministry. But now I run an apostolate that works with Catholic leaders, primarily parish and diocesan staff, uh, pastors, bishops and others. And I train them and coach them on what it takes to really evangelize and do discipleship pastorally and how to turn their organizations, uh, to be able to do those things. So yeah, that's what I do. And, and I love my work. I'm, I'm blessed.
1: How now, um, I think I first came to know you when you were at St. Mary's at Texas A&M and, um, how mm-hmm. many years now has it been that you've been doing the consulting work that you now do for churches?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, three years wow. that we started that. Yeah. And, um, and, and you know what? It's interesting. I don't. I don't call it consulting, and the reason why is because um, I think that it, it's it's different. It's more like a, a coaching and a training than a consulting. Because I think consultants have kind of a different you know um, relationship with a lot of folks. Nothing against consulting. Um, just a little bit different. I don't, and, and what we do is there are others who are doing something similar, but we work. I haven't I haven't met anybody yet that does exactly what we do. But anyway, you know, back to the book on on the book, you know, I, I you mentioned, you know, I don't know if it's a premonition or not. I, I don't know. Some people think it's unfortunate that uh, we called it the Contagious Catholic in a time of a pandemic. Um, but rest assured, we came up with this name. The marketing folks at Ascension really came up oh, with yeah. the name like a year ago and it was so it was it, if it had any, if it had anything providential to do it you know let's blame the lord
1: i just wanted to read one paragraph from the introduction um mm-hmm. that i think can put um put it in a little bit of a context for people you say um at the end of the second paragraph of your introduction you say in today's catholic culture we often act like we Have quarantined our faith from others, yet we don't have a virus. We are faithful Catholics who have Jesus in our lives. A Catholic life without evangelization means living as if we fear others might end up having Jesus in their lives, too. Yet... This is the opposite of how we ought to live. We ought to be contagious, not quarantined. We ought to spread the love of Jesus we have in our lives. We need to evangelize. evangelize. And that's really what the book is all about. Kind of give a little bit of an overview of what readers will find when they pick this book up.
2: Yeah, and I appreciate that. You know, um, by the way, sometimes you read your own words and you go, "Hey, that's pretty good," uh, and, then, <laughs> and then and then you remember, "Hey, this is a work of the Holy Spirit if it's good." So, so or isn't...
1: my editor fixed that. No. <laughs> yeah,
2: or, or the editor is really really good, and or you know I just stole it from somebody else and re put you know put it in my words. Um, you know, I, I haven't had a whole lot of original thoughts in my life. In fact, I, I don't think I've ever had one, and. But really, the wisdom of the church—if you think about it—what's what's the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to go and make disciples. We're supposed to go make followers of Jesus Christ. That's our job, and that's what evangelization is—is is to go help somebody else have a conversion so that they become a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the issue is that I think that for too long the Catholic Church in the West, especially in the United States, let's talk about that, for the last few generations, has really relied upon parish and diocesan programs, events, classes, and sacraments. Now, there's nothing wrong with. It. In fact, come on, we we wouldn't really have much if we didn't have the sacraments, right? I mean, we, we are a sacramental people. Eucharist is a source and summit of our faith. Um, but we can't just take somebody to Mass or a class or a program and think that's going to do the job of evangelization for us, of making disciples for us. And I think we've lost the personal practical skills of being able to do this in many, many people in the United States, especially who are Catholic. And I think the results are right in front of us, is that we have a decline in the numbers of Catholics, a decline in, you know, vibrant parishes and things like that. So um, I think we need to recapture some of this evangelical fervor and skill. And so really, the reason I wrote the book was because there's a a lot of folks out there right now who know, hey, I need to evangelize. And I think there's been a call since, you know, Vatican II, but really with JP II, and then through Benedict and Francis of we're supposed to be evangelists, right? We're supposed to go out there and do it. So, so here the book isn't a why we need to do this or, or what we need to do. It's a how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's more of a how-to book. It's, it's like, hey, go do this stuff. You know um, and, and and learn the skills and the practices of what makes a good evangelist
1: actually I really felt out when I was reading it that it almost reads like a manual because you, you know, you share your stories, but you also break this down quite a lot, and you give us exercises and some periods for introspection with, um, questions that you ask at the end of every chapter. So does somebody need to be particularly expert in their Catholic faith before they go out and become an evangelist?
2: No, no, they really don't. You know, I remember when I had my first, uh, initial conversion to Jesus, I, I mean, I hadn't even going to church for a couple of years and somebody had invited me back um, and it was through a retreat and through that retreat, really in a particular in the sacrament of confession, I repented. I decided I believed in Jesus Christ and I wanted to follow him. And I remember after confession saying this little prayer and the prayer went something like, Jesus, I don't even know what this means, but I want to I want to, you know, follow you. I want to give you my life. And I, I told him, I said, I don't even really know what that means. Um, and after that retreat, I went back to all those guys that I was you know, in college, this was a college time. I went all, all these guys I was hanging out with and drinking with and partying with and chasing girls with. And I told him, I said, I can't do those things anymore. And it's not because I don't like you. I still want to hang out. But I can't do those things because, you know, I want to follow Jesus and I want to do the right thing. And I don't necessarily uh, like some of the things I've been doing. I wasn't castigating them. Now, that's That's simply trying to spread some good news by telling my own conversion story, and that's what I was doing. I didn't know Catholic doctrine at this point. I couldn't have voiced what, you know, the understanding of the Trinity was or or papal infallibility. Um, I couldn't have given an apologetic for any of those things, at least not very well. But what I could do is sincerely share my faith, and that's what I did.
1: One aspect of the book that I find particularly helpful is the section that you write on spiritual mentoring and, you know, the use of um, serving as a mentor, ser- the, the um, particular elements of small groups. Why is it that relationships are so at the key of our ability to be effective as missionary disciples?
2: Well, one of the reasons is because you know, it's primarily through relationships that you're going to win the right to be able to even make an argument for what you believe in. Uh, the reason I was able to make an argument for, hey, I've, I've had a change in my life after this conversion was because I'd had years of relationship with these guys already. Um, one of them that I went back to and was able to witness to was my brother, uh, my older brother who I'd known my, all my life, right? And I, I got to talk to him. Well, you know, through years and years of building a relationship, a friendship, I've won the right to be able to to profess my faith and have him actually listen. That's really what we need to get back to are these deep relationships. And and discipleship, uh, remember, following of Jesus is about our relationship with Jesus, right? I mean, a disciple such as Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Philip, and all these others, all the 12, they're called into a relationship. Yes, he's master and Lord and rabbi and teacher, but he's also friend. And that relationship that they had for three years with Jesus Christ was primarily a kind of mentorship in how do you actually go out there and tell people what the world needs to know about me, Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. And that's the good news that the apostles then went out and shared themselves by also forming relationships with people and and doing these things. So we know that while Jesus had the 12, he he spent 75% of his time in the Gospels with 12 guys. And yes, he preached publicly and he healed and he did all these other things. But 75% of his time was with 12 men. And then then they went out and had their disciples, such as St. John, who had Ignatius of Antioch, and Peter, who had Mark and others. So we see that's kind of the, the natural order of things is to have somebody who you're walking behind who's a little bit farther on. Somebody you're walking side by side with, a lot of times that'd be your spouse or, you know, close friends that you're, you're kind of similar level to. And then people that you're helping lead um, that you might be doing some discipleship with to help train them up. And, and this is the kind of model Jesus taught the church. And I think it's something we need to really kind of return to.
1: And those relationships don't necessarily just happen i mean we need to be kind of intentional especially i'm thinking about um and seeking our own spiritual mentors um you know that that we continue to be growing in our own faith um any thoughts about that and how how you can if you're lacking of a mentor how you can find somebody that that you can have that relationship with
2: Yeah, and here is part of the crux of the problem we have right now is that even in, you know, and if you have these conversations, an honest conversation with, say, you know, a Catholic priest or a bishop, and I've been blessed to have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of these conversations with our pastors, and they'll tell you. I really have never had that kind of relationship, at least not long term. They may have had formators in seminary. They may have had spiritual directors, and those are all good. But what about somebody who's trying to to, to work on all different areas of their life in order to conform them to what it means to follow Jesus Christ? Well, that's harder to say. And they're hard to find right now because we haven't had a lot of people who've had that experience. So in other words, even our clergy are struggling to find these kind of good discipleship relationships and leaders, um, even more so are the lady gonna struggle. So the first thing I wanna tell you is if you're struggling to find somebody to, to help you with this, you're not alone. And so it may be that we have to be a little bit creative for a while until we get more people who are individually able to be able to do this. The first thing I would say is be okay with experimentation. Be okay with trying to have a group of friends where, you know, one person provides value in the relationship of this way and another person in another way um, or wisdom or clarity or whatever else. So it might be a mix of a a small group and friendships and other things. And, yeah, here's the here's the key is that I think we're going to have to initiate most of these things. Um, and here, here's you know, and not only as as uh, you know Catholics who are looking for something for ourselves, but also when you're looking to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're, you know we have to initiate, and initiation is something I think just in the culture itself we're not very good at uh, when it comes to relationships. Um, Be okay with saying, you know what, I'm going to go out there and step out in faith and try something, even if I don't do it very well. I, I got to tell you, Lisa, I've failed more often than I've succeeded. In. Uh, <laughs> You know, but, you know, I, one of the things about me is I persevere. I don't give up um, and try to learn a little bit from my s- stupid pigheadedness.
1: <laughs> so I want to ask you not to turn this into like the COVID podcast, but I, I mm-hmm. have to ask because I've been pondering this morning. I had um, my my women's small small faith sharing group that normally mm-hmm. meets on Tuesday mornings. We've gone to a Zoom meeting, as so many have. And um, we were talking this morning about how life and the church will look different from what you know we experienced before after having had this experience of kind of physical separation from one another in mm-hmm. many ways we continue this the sacramental life of our church through you know, our best efforts to do things like YouTube masses and stuff, but um, so much of it Mm -hmm. is different. And it strikes me that your work will be more critical than ever um, as we make this transition. So how can we be ready for what we're being called to when we when we get sprung from from our different levels of social distancing?
2: Yeah, the, you know, a couple of things. And, I, and I've blogged a whole lot about this. Um, and the reason why is because I'm somebody who, who tries to, to cast out into the future what's, what's the world going to look like? What's the, what is the church going to look like? What do we need to do? Um, I'm, I'm kind of a vision guy. I try to do that. Uh, not necessarily like a Catholic futurist or anything. Um, and some of the things that that I've been thinking about and praying about and trying to discern are, are what what are the implications that we need to deal with. And let me let me just give you a couple. Um, so, for instance, there are going to be people who are regular mass goers who haven't been to mass in months, and at the end of it, they're going to start asking themselves, well, why why should I go back? Um, I'm doing okay. Mm -hmm. And they are going to be people who are not going to return to their parishes. And the most likely outcome is the parish won't even notice and they're just going to fade away. Um, And that's sad. So as parishioners, we need to be looking around and asking ourselves when mass starts to begin again, who is it here? Who have I not seen in the last month? Um, And what do we as a parish community need to do? Do we should we be picking up the phone right now and connecting with them? Absolutely. Should we have a phone tree? Fine. Do something. But we, we, we need to have some kind of community based We care about you. You know, please make sure you're coming back to mass, back to the sacraments when it's available, et cetera. And, and let's flip that over, though. You're also going to have people who, for the first time, maybe in their lives, have had access to watch a mass anonymously and might be interested, intrigued, and they might show up at your door when masses start opening. So we also need to have an eye out for who are the new people that I've never seen before? How do I welcome them appropriately? How, how do I start to reach out to them? Those are just some of the implications that I'm starting to think through right now and, and trying to cast out to the leaders that I work with because we, we need to have these kind of uh, imaginative understandings of Planning for the worst and hoping for the best, right? Let's not just hope for the best and wait for something to happen. Let's go out there and be proactive in trying to reach people, trying to help people, trying to evangelize uh, those who need to be evangelized and to help others who are already disciples to further their discipleship. And and part of that is, remember, you know, the average Catholic needs to take up their own uh, mission field. So, So to all those folks listening to this podcast, stop and ask yourself, where are the people that are kind of in my sphere of influence and relationship that I need to be reaching out to, that I need to have an eye out for? Um, and what can I do for the Lord today?
1: I love that. Um, one great place to start is over at your website, um, <laughs> Catholic Missionary Disciples.com. We're going to have a link to that in the show notes. And I can't recommend enough the Contagious Catholic. This book is new from Ascension Press, and the timing is just absolutely perfect. Um, And uh, and so you'll want to get a hold of this. We're going to have links to this as well as Marcel's website over in our show notes. So wherever you're listening, just click on your phone and you'll find that right there. Um, Marcel, any kind of closing thoughts before we let you get back to your mission field?
2: Yeah, make sure that all of this flows directly out of a prayer life that, you know, because, you know, really evangelization ultimately is not about what we do. It's about what the Lord does through us. And that means we have to have a, a deep interior life, a deep prayer life. And and so never neglect that, but also just turn it over to the Lord. Um, what He wants more than anything is faithfulness to the mission, not necessarily I go make a convert, you know, because that's up to the Holy Spirit and the other person. I'm the least important person in this dynamic. God and the other person are the ones that are way more important than
1: I am. Oh, amen so, to that. <laughs> amen to that. Those are... Um, probably some of the biggest questions that I get when I'm out speaking, particularly with women. Mm -hmm. Um, What my, my fill in the blank is away from the church or doesn't know the church or doesn't know Jesus. And what can I do? Mm -hmm. And uh, my answer is often how's your own relationship with Jesus? Because Mm -hmm. I know for me, when I get so busy worrying about everybody else's souls, I neglect my own. And so not to say that we shouldn't be concerned with others, but it's definitely born out of our own love that we we love him yeah. so much that we can't wait to share that joy with other people around us. Such great work. I'm so grateful. So Catholic Missionary dot com and the Contagious Catholic. Um, and Marcel, are you on social media where people should be following you as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I cause all kinds of problems on social media by, <laughs> by posting, you know uh subversively controversial but also faithful you know tweets and and facebook stuff I, i i try to be what i call charitably provocative in order order, I'm not doing it out of any other reason than I than love for the Lord and others. But I, I do want people to think deeply about issues I think that are important. So, yeah, go find me on
1: social media. Awesome. Well, we'll have that linked up, too. And I want to say thank you because I've learned so much from you over the years and just so grateful for the example that you cast and um, for your uh, your spiritual friendship, too
2: yeah absolutely and and we're going to pray for each other and we'll be i'll be praying for your listeners too
1: thank you that's totally awesome well friends that is it for this week's episode of lisa hendy and friends we want to point you to all of our previous episodes as well as information on marcel today's guest um and my contact information you can find all of that um, through my website lisa hendy.com or just follow me on social media as well and um, just again I want to point you to this great book Press. Hope you have an awesome day, and God bless.
0: Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by… Have you ever been put on the spot and asked to explain or defend Catholic teaching on sensitive topics such as abortion, same-sex marriage, or the Eucharist? What to Say and How to Say It is a straightforward and practical resource by Brandon Vote best-selling and award-winning author of Why I Am Catholic, and You Should Be Too. He offers essential tools for articulating even the most contentious aspects of your Catholic faith with clarity and confidence. You can get a copy of this important new book at AveMariaPress.com. Use code TALKFAITH to get 25% off your copy today. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www dot grim bean coffee dot com forward slash red media experience coffee like never before